1: It's been 3,377 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 458 days since the large scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia Ukraine War. The Malcontent News Russia Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, This podcast contains frank descriptions of war and its effects and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, Russian tactics have validated our assessment that the Kremlin is launching fewer missiles more frequently due to inventory restrictions and a shift in strategy. These attacks have had little success due to their inability to overwhelm ever-improving Ukrainian air defenses. Second, our assessment that private military company or PMC Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin's claim that Russian proxy forces have fully captured Bakhmut was dubious was, was accurate, with Prigozhin saying in an interview, quote, In Bakhmut, they're already actively crawling along the flanks. Quote. Third, our May twenty-fifth assessment that Project 18280 surveillance vessel Ivan Kurs likely received some damage but was not incapacitated was accurate, with the vessel returning to Sevastopol on May 26 under its own power with no visible moderate to major damage. Fourth, in preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. Fifth, weather conditions will be unfavorable for large-scale military operations through June 1st. Sixth, we have identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. And finally, Our assessment that the border incursions into the Bilkorod region were more political in motivation than militaristic was accurate. With anger growing among mill bloggers, propagandists, Russian state media, area residents, and local government officials who are calling for a change of the political and military leadership in Moscow. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, and the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, reported continued positional fighting in the area of Masyutivka with no change in the situation. In the Kupiansk operational area, the Russian MOD alleged that Ukrainian Surveillance, Reconnaissance, and Sabotage, or DRG, units were operating in the area of Ivanivka. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. ukrainian source Deep State reported positional fighting in the Serebryansky woods in the Seversky-Donetsk floodplain west of Shiplivka. In the Lysychansk operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces continued to attempt to recover lost positions east of Milohorivka, the one in Luhansk, without success. In occupied Luhansk, Russian state media journalist Mariana Batkovna described the situation in the occupied Popozna region after arriving, saying, quote, The humanitarian situation there is difficult, especially in Popozna itself. It is a dead city, but people continue to live there. It is very difficult to get there. People survive on a little humanitarian aid and the military. So help in the form of food kits, hygiene products, and medicines is very necessary there. End quote. Popasna was captured on May 8, 2022, and before February twenty-fourth of the same year, it was home to 20,000 people. Today, fewer than 200 remain. Russian forces originally wanted to capture Popasna for its railroad infrastructure, but Russian General Alexander Lapin employed a World War II General Zhukov doctrine and leveled the city with artillery, destroying everything, as noted by Batkovna. The situation is similar in Severodonetsk, where a video recorded on May 25th showed that in the 11 months since Russian forces captured the city, almost no work had been done to repair civilian housing and infrastructure. In northeast Donetsk, in the Siversk operational area, a geolocated video showed that Russian forces had recaptured the gas compressor station east of Spirna within the last 7 to 10 days. The video displays the rare burrowing russian t-90 main battle tank or mbt that tries to hide underground when frightened four drone delivered grenades were dropped on the mbt destroying the vehicle based on this new intelligence and terrain analysis the warm-up was updated in the solidar operational area ukrainian forces made significant gains in the last 24 hours with Russian troops falling back up to one kilometer from Orykhovo vasilivka in the direction of Zaliznansky. Russian mercenary mill Ribar reported, quote, Near Bakhmut, Ukrainian troops continue to make flank counterattacks on the positions of Russian units in the Orykhovo vasilivka area. Under the onslaught of the enemy, he means Ukraine, the defenders, he means Russia, withdrew in a northeasterly direction up to one kilometer. End quote. Russian mercenary mill blogger Wargonzo claims that Ukrainian forces have captured the heights north of Orihova Vasilyevka and reached the M3 highway Russian ground line of communication, called a Gloc, that is a supply line. Nikolai Dyakonov, a Russian nationalist and fighter in the Donbass since 2014, said, quote, The situation in the Solidar direction is very difficult. The enemy is constantly making attempts to break through. Our detachments of Cossacks do not allow the enemy to even approach our positions. The enemy is trying to find weak spots using artillery, tanks, and kamikaze UAVs. End quote. Deputy Commander of the so-called Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR-OMON forces, Colonel Alexander Khodakovsky, wrote, quote, The guys on the flanks of Bakhmut are fighting desperately and do not allow the enemy, who is more effective than us in the field, to achieve great superiority. End quote. Based on the four independent Russian reports, the relative quality of maps from Wargonzo and terrain analysis, we've moved the line to the M3 highway. Ukrainian forces also advanced in the direction of Dubovo-Vasilivka from the west, advancing through a forested track. Some assessment. Two Russian salients have formed on the northern flank of Bakhmut, a smaller one north of Orihovo-Vasilivka and a larger one with the hamlet of Dubovo-Vasilivka at its center. If Wargonzo is accurate, and we have given their report more weight, the smaller salient is untenable. The poorly trained and under-equipped Russian forces in dubovo Vasilivka are at a disadvantage due to terrain, and further Ukrainian advances on the M3 highway could force another Russian MOD report of a so-called withdrawal to more advantageous positions. In Bakhmut, neither combatant reported significant fighting, but a geolocated video from the Ukrainian 93rd Mechanized Brigade, Kholodny Yar, confirmed that PMC Wagner and Russian forces do not have full control of Bakhmut. DRG units were operating in the apartment buildings on the western side of Yuvalena Street. They were able to drive a civilian sedan on the dirt road on the edge of Bakhmut past Levanyevskoro Street and exit in the direction of the Ilyustov complex. Based on this new intelligence, we adjusted the war map moving the block of apartments at Lievenevskoho and Yuvalena streets to Contested and the line of conflict one block east. We don't believe this represents a significant change from May 21st, as we have previously assessed that PMC Wagner had not fully captured Bakhmut. PMC Wagner leader Prigozhin confirmed that Wagnerites continue withdrawing from Bakhmut, saying, quote, Today, the Ministry of Defense is fulfilling the agreements and is actively changing my fighters in positions. Therefore, from June 1st, Bakhmut will completely come under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Defense. We are leaving in an organized and planned way to field camps for reformation, staffing, and additional training. End quote. Our decision not to update the area of Ukrainian control on May 25th was sound. Ukrainian forces currently hold approximately 1.5 square kilometers of Bakhmut, that's a little over half a square mile, roughly 2.8 percent of the city. In the Klishivka operational area, Orgonzo reported that Russian attempts to retake lost positions south of Ivanivsky were unsuccessful. East of Predtechny, Wargonzo claimed that Ukrainian forces were east of the Siversky Donetsk Donbass canal and advancing toward Klishivka putting more pressure on the Russian forward operating base located in the settlement. The GSAFU reported that Russian forces attempted to counterattack but were unsuccessful. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, the 1st Army Corps, trying to expand their positions near the Krasnohorivka Plateau, suffered losses and returned to their defensive positions, as usual. Project K penal units from Russian Minister of Defense Sergei Shoigu's PMC Storm Z attempted to advance through the no-man's land north of Volyana but couldn't take new positions. The 1st Army Corps also attempted to advance on Pervomyskaya from the south, once again suffered heavy losses, and once again returned to their defensive positions. In Karlyevka, Ukrainian emergency services stabilized the situation at the Karlovsky Reservoir Dam which was destroyed by a Russian S-300 anti-aircraft missile used for a ground attack on May 25th. Six villages were impacted downstream, and the Vojcha River reached its crest. Twenty-six people lost their homes due to the flooding. Dental reminder that the Geneva Convention was modified after World War II due to the Axis and Allied targeting of dams that killed thousands, mostly civilians so a combatant defending their territory can destroy dams to slow an enemy's advance or use floodwaters as a weapon if it doesn't intentionally endanger civilians. However, an attacking force is forbidden to target dams, and their destruction could be considered a war crime. In the Marinka operational area, fighting for Marinka continued within the remains of the city and the area around it. New photos of Marinka, which, like most of the photos and videos we reference here on the podcast, are linked in the full situation report on Patreon, look like a post-nuclear apocalypse. And that's really not hyperbole. There are only foundations, rubble, and a few standing walls showing where civilization used to be. In occupied Donetsk, Russian propagandist Yevgeny Podubny, quoting the DNR Ministry of Internal Affairs, reported that Mariupol was hit by two storm-shadow cruise missiles, despite denials by Russian millbloggers. Insurgents filmed how access to the Azovstal part of the city was closed and reported one of the cruise missiles hit the Russian troop-occupied Azovstal Hotel. At the time of recording, recovery operations were still ongoing. Insurgents also reported on troop movements and other activities in the Mariupol-Rayon Russian Infantry Fighting Vehicles, or IFVs, and troops were transported in the direction of Berdyansk, while tanks were moved in the direction of Volnovakha In Bavroch-Tarama, Russian Mobics were sent to a 10-day accelerated training program before deployment. Railroad lines in the Budonivsky district were shelled by Ukrainian forces, damaging railroad cars. The former building of the Donetsk National Technical University was hit by several rockets fired by HIMARS, causing significant damage. The university moved to Pokrovsk in 2014, and through February 2022, the building was used as a private, unaccredited college run by previous administrators, providing fake diplomas that were not recognized by any other university. After Russia expanded its war on Ukraine on February 24, 2022, the Ministry of Defense of the so-called DNR took over the building. But wait, there's there's more to this story. After the HIMARS strike, DNR officials brought mill bloggers and press members to the school, giving them interior and exterior access. During the briefing, the school came under a mortar attack. Based on the shared video clip capturing one of the impacts, our analysts believe they were 82 or 120 millimeter caliber. Some assessment? Based on geolocation, the nearest possible Ukrainian fire position was 11 kilometers away, out of range of Soviet-era Russian Federation and NATO-provided 82- and 120-millimeter mortars. Based on this information and analysis, we believe that Russian forces shelled the former school while the press was there as a false flag. The Green Plaza area of Donetsk was also shelled, causing significant damage. Moving on to Zaporizhia. Russian forces conducted 98 fire missions on 16 settlements along the line of conflict, targeting civilians and civilian infrastructure. In occupied Zaporizhia, exiled mayor of Melitopol, Ivan Fedorov, reported that Ukrainian forces attacked the Priazovsk airfield southeast of Melitopol and claimed an ammunition depot was destroyed. We cannot independently verify the claim. During the early morning of May 27, at least one storm-shadow missile struck Berdyansk at the Chemist Recreation Center, which had been converted into a Russian military base. Multiple videos and pictures show a fire in the area. The independent journalist organization Crimean Investigator reported that the May 25 storm-shadow missile strike at the Azovkabel plant in Berdyansk killed five and wounded a dozen Russian troops. There were multiple claims that an S-300 anti-aircraft system and ammunition were destroyed in the attack. Local residents reported that ammunition cooked off for over 12 hours, with the sounds of detonation echoing through the night and continuing into Friday morning. Russian forces intercepted one of the cruise missiles, with the debris causing light damage at the Ivan Bochun Evangelical Church. Large areas of occupied Zaporizhia, including Melitopol, Berdyansk, Tokmak, and Enerhodar, lost Internet and cable TV service. At the time of recording, the Internet had been partially restored in some areas, but at significantly reduced speeds. The Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, or GUR, claimed that Russian forces were planning a major provocation at the Zaporizhia Nuclear Power Plant, or ZNPP, including intentionally leaking radioactive materials with the intent to blame the incident on a Ukrainian attack, saying, quote, Russians sabotaged today's planned rotation of the staff of the IAEA monitoring mission. They aim to provoke the international community and conduct a detailed investigation requiring a ceasefire. Russians are going to use this so desirable pause for the regrouping of the occupational personnel and to stop the Ukrainian counteroffensive. End quote. Okay. Assessment. The truth matters. There was no evidence to support the claim, and the world community is already suspicious of Rosatom and its operation. We did not report on this claim yesterday because, in our assessment, it's either misinformation or a psychological operation. You're listening to the Malcontent
0: News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Mount Content News.
1: In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv and Odessa region... Ukrainian Lieutenant General Vyacheslav Nazarkin of Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that seven vessels of the Black Sea Fleet were on patrol, including one frigate capable of launching up to eight caliber cruise missiles. Shortly after we published yesterday's report, a video from a reliable source showed the Russian surveillance ship Ivan Khurs returning to port in Sevastopol. Despite passionate denials from the Twitter sphere, satellite images of Sevastopol from May 26, 2023, showed the Ivan Khurs moored at its berth. While there is no visible moderate or major damage, it does not mean that the sensitive electronic systems are unharmed or that there is no damage below the waterline. Assessment here The Russian MOD claimed after the May 24, 2023 attack that the Ivan Khurs would continue its patrol but instead beelined for Sevastopol. Based on the unscheduled return, the vessel likely suffered some damage, or at least one crew member was injured enough to require a return to port. The Ukrainian Navy commissioned the Hyurza class armored littoral patrol boat named Bucha, a nearshore river and estuary patrol craft. The commander-in-chief of the Ukrainian Armed Forces, General Valery Zaluzhny, was part of the senior military delegation attending the vessel's commissioning. The Internet and cable TV outage in occupied Zaporizhia originated in Crimea, knocking out service to large areas of the Russian-occupied peninsula. Advisor to the illegitimate head of Crimea, Oleg Kryuchkov, said that a, quote, accident to one of the networks of a major Internet provider is what caused the outage. In what is the closest to a full admission by Ukraine that the nation led the attack that almost completely destroyed the Crimean Bridge on October 8, 2022, the head of the Ukrainian Security Service, or SBU, Vasily Malyuk, said, quote, In accordance with the norms of our current legislation and international customs and traditions of warfare, given that it was a logistical route and we were obligated to cut off the enemy, certain measures were carried out, End quote. In western and central Ukraine, Russian forces conducted 45 fire missions on Free Kherson, firing 193 artillery rounds, mortars, grad and smirch rockets, drone-delivered IEDs and bombs, with the city of Kherson targeted twice. One person was killed when Russian forces shelled Antonivka. On the Russian front in Bilgorod, a drone-delivered IED struck the Federal Migration Office in Mysky with no casualties reported. Russian millblogger Two Majors joined a growing chorus of Russian voices criticizing the Kremlin and its approach to border security, saying, quote, The military department will say that everything is fine, the situation is under control, or they will make everyone, border guards, Russian guards, local residents, except themselves. The suitability of the entire military leadership must be raised, calmly, without the build-up of the situation. For some reason, it turned out that the vaunted dragon's teeth, billions of rubles, were not on the border but on frontiers favorable for defense. In addition, the border service has not yet been provided with everything necessary to detect the movement of troops and equipment to our borders, which have long become the front line. End quote. Rubbing salt in the wounds just a little bit, the Free Russian Legion, or FRL, released a video showing the events on May 22nd during the border incursion, including Russian border guards fleeing from the smaller Ukrainian forces, Russian military equipment damaged and destroyed, and Russian forces being hit by drone-directed artillery fire. Russian millblogger Vitaly Kiselyov reported a Russian citizen was detained in Gilenjik, quote, who was planning an explosion at a law enforcement facility. When the man was arrested, the Russian Federal Security Service, or FSB, claimed he had already produced an explosive device. In Moscow, the FSB claimed they stopped a sabotage attempt that would have blown up a gas station in the Khoroshevo-Mnevniki area near Zhivopizhnaya Street. Two railroad relay stations were set on fire at the Zanevsky Post 1 train station in St. Petersburg. One of the cabinets burned out completely. The Ministry of Internal Affairs claims the cabinets had been left open before the attack. Addressing a story reported by the New York Times, John Kirby, a spokesperson for the United States National Security Council, addressing a story reported by the New York Times, John Kirby, spokesperson for the United States National Security Council, told CNN the White House could not confirm if the Ukrainian SBU organized the May 1st Moscow drone attack in Red Square, saying, quote, We simply cannot say which groups are conducting operations on their own, whether they are connected to Ukraine or not. And of course, we cannot confirm the information in the article of the New York Times newspaper about this particular attack on the Kremlin. End quote. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky held a meeting of the Stavka with a public readout Saying during his evening address, quote, The questions are obvious. The front line, our defense, our active actions, providing our soldiers with weapons and ammunition, equipment. During this week we have also made substantial progress in providing modern aircraft for Ukraine, which will become a key component of our defense in the sky. We are moving faster in defense modernization than could have been predicted six months ago. End quote. Ukrainian National Security and Defense Council Secretary Oleksiy Danilov told the BBC that Ukraine, quote, has no right to make a mistake, end quote, when the nation launches its offensive, since this is a, quote, historic opportunity that, quote, we cannot lose. According to him, the armed forces of Ukraine will launch an offensive when the commanders calculate that, quote, we can get the best result at this stage of the war, end quote. Danilov also dismissed the suggestion that the counteroffensive had already begun, noting that the destruction of Russian command centers and Russian military equipment has been the task of the Ukrainian armed forces since February 24th last year. Assessment here. We maintain that Ukrainian shaping operations started on April 20th, when the first troops occupied part of the east bank of the Dnipro River near Kherson. Ukraine formally requested Germany provide its air force with Taurus cruise missiles, which have a range of 500 kilometers. United States Senator Lindsey Graham, a Republican from South Carolina, advocated for more lethal weapons for Ukraine after visiting with President Zelensky, saying, quote, The sooner long-range attackums missiles and cluster munitions are provided, the more territory they will be able to regain and the fewer lives will be lost, end quote. Graham added that these weapons could make, quote, probable success at the front greater and accelerate the withdrawal of Russian troops from the territory of Ukraine. Why haven't we provided long-range weapons yet? I intend to inform my fellow senators that it is necessary to encourage the Biden administration to provide attackums to the armed forces of Ukraine, end quote. United States law prevents the sailor transfer of cluster munitions to other nations, but can be overridden by presidential authority. Ukraine has asked for cluster munitions so they can be disassembled for the bomblets, which are repurposed to make drone-delivered IEDs and improve lethality. Speaking of disassembled, let's talk about the Russian military mobilization and Mir. On May 25th, almost two dozen convicts who recently undergone a 10-day military training course and were being prepared to be deployed to the Forward Line of Friendly Troops, or FLOT, near Svaltova, deserted with their weapons, stealing a Kamaz truck. In the occupied territories of Luhansk, OMON, the Ministry of Internal Affairs, and FSB are still trying to locate them. There's a similar situation in Volnovacha, with 28 armed Mobics escaping from the front in three stolen military vehicles, And reportedly hiding in the Kurchatova Kalmyuska district of Mariupol. At the time of recording, officials in the so called DNR reported that, quote, some of them had been arrested. Russian outlet 161 reported another 39 former convicts had deserted from a Stormzy training camp in occupied Lusichansk. Russian officials believe they will attempt to flee through the Rostov region. Russian opposition publication Gulag.net predicted that PMC Wagner would work to disrupt Project K training of Shoigu's PMC Storm Z to further discredit the Russian Minister of Defense. We've previously assessed that the rift between PMC Wagner and the Kremlin is impacting Russian military operations. Luhansk Oblast administrative and military governor Artem Lusikor claims that in the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, some members of the 2nd Army Corps haven't been paid since December 2022. Records were sometimes falsified to show that LNR soldiers and Mobics were paid. The previously allocated funds have reportedly disappeared. Bilgorod Region Governor Vyacheslav Gladkov reported that the commander of the Preobrazhensky Battalion, Yuri Gaivoy, was killed in action during the cross-border incursion on May 22nd and 23rd. Gaivoy is not a recognized member of the Russian Armed Forces, so his family is not entitled to survivor benefits. Governor Gladkov said his wife would receive a one-time payment of 3 million rubles from the regional budget. We would like to recognize Russian propagandist and RT reporter Andriy Rudenko for earning the red stop sign of shame, or Blyatsker, from our analyst team. In the last 48 hours, Rudenko released two videos that were so poorly staged, so badly acted, that even Russian sources are openly mocking them as fakes. The first video shows staged combat that is so poorly done they don't use practicals, and pmc Wagner channel Greyzone was compelled to write two whole paragraphs outlining everything wrong with the video. The second video allegedly shows a German doctor harvesting organs from Ukrainians and is so over-the-top and ridiculous, and the production quality is so low that even American director Ed Wood Jr. would have cringed. I would like to share with you the review from one Russian mill blogger. Quote, In this video, poor Tadas is looking for a wounded brother and goes into the operating room to find foreign doctors there gutting his partner for organs. Fine acting, a divine foreign accent, gay statements from a security guard so busy poking at the phone they did not see Tadas going to the operating room, and Tadas walks around with the GoPro turned on. Do you really have such crooked hands? Better not do anything at all. Just f***ing don't do your second-rate stink. Or do them to make your commander happy, but do not throw this shameful game into the information space. End quote. Outrage over repeated Ukrainian incursions into Belgorod and Berdyansk is growing. Russian source Hardblog wrote, quote, The Kursk, Bryansk, and Bilgorod regions are attacked by the armed forces of Ukraine on a daily basis. There are drones, artillery, and entry into Russian territory. In Moscow, of course, it is not felt there, so what if they attacked the Kremlin once with drones? The Khokhols, which is slur referring to Ukrainians, feel the courage of impunity. In all three regions, there are people ready to defend their regions. There are former gunners. But there is nothing to defend. And the warehouses are full of weapons. But for some unknown reason, the state is preoccupied with anything from grain deals to discussing the hypothetical future of Ukraine, but not with the fact that the country's territory is under attack. Wake up! Every shell that falls on our land is a nail in the coffin of people's trust in the state. It is the first and most important task of the state to protect the people. And you demonstrate every day that you are failing to do so. Worse, you do not allow others to do it. This is the highest level of betrayal of the country's interests. People can tolerate everything except your organizational impotence, bureaucratic idiocy, and criminal inactivity. And most importantly, your cowardice and unwillingness to take responsibility. Are you afraid to give people guns? Cretans? What you should be afraid of is that the people will find their own weapons and defend their land, but then not only from the Khochols, but also from the incompetent. The author behind the Veterans Notes telegram channel expressed frustration with the situation in Bilgorod, writing, quote, For two hours the Khochols have been shelling the Bilgorod region. I barely managed to get out of Murom. Meanwhile, there are serious problems in Moscow. There are no free tables in pubs as they report in local channels. One country, you say? End quote. Posters have started to appear across Belgorod with a picture of Yevgeny Prigozhin declaring, quote, strong leader, not a bunker coward. and quote. Strength, confidence, stability. Exposing what we have already assessed is the political ambitions of the PMC Wagner leader and growing frustration among what the Russian state calls turbo-patriots. Quick sidebar. Stability. Really? All those shouty videos beg to differ. In War Crimes and Human Rights, according to Russian military mill blogger Ribar, Russian forces intentionally targeted a psychiatric hospital in Dnipro with S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack because members of the Ukrainian armed forces might have been receiving treatment in the facility. The missile attack heavily damaged the building, which suffered a direct hit. There was no evidence in the numerous graphic videos of any military personnel in the facility. As with most of the photos and videos we reference here on the podcast, we do link to those videos in our full situation report on Patreon. Please keep in mind they are not suitable for work nor for children, and viewer discretion is advised. The missile strike wounded 32 people, including 8 medical workers and 2 children. Twelve of the wounded are hospitalized. Two people were killed, and the ruins are still being searched. Three people remain missing, and searchers have found body fragments that they've collected for DNA analysis. A missile also hit a veterinary clinic specializing in neurosurgery, wounding animals, and it's reported that a man died under the rubble. According to rescue workers, a fire covering 200 square meters broke out, With staff removing the animals, some burned and suffering shrapnel wounds from the burning building. 106 Ukrainian POWs were exchanged outside of Ivanivsky as part of PMC Wagner's withdrawal from Bakhmut. All 106 were listed as missing in action, including eight officers and 98 non-commissioned officers and soldiers. Three bodies were also repatriated, including what Ukrainian officials claimed were two United States citizens and a civilian woman. PMC Wagner leader Prigozhin claimed that only one U.S. citizen was returned and the other was a Turkish national. An unknown number of Russian and Russian-aligned POWs were returned, including soldiers from the 2nd Army Corps of the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, the 9th Motorized Rifle Division from Kaliningrad, the 155th Marine Brigade from Vladivostok, and Chechen Akhmat. Russian mercenary mill Ribar claimed the returned Russian POWs reported they were, quote, treated humanely. And that's what we know. Monday is Memorial Day in the United States, so we'll be back with regular updates on Tuesday. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been
0: listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.